Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. All right, we're going to get into the message. We are oh so close, friends, to finishing up our summer-long sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit called Not a Coconut. Not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. It's not an apple. It's not any of those things. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. And there's a song from my childhood, and I was talking to Bethany. I think we're going to have to play it next week for you. Just as we close out the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to play that song and and maybe have you guys sing along with us. But the fruit of the Spirit, we need to grow and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And last week, we talked about both the fruit of goodness and faithfulness. Remember, we looked at the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 when God said to two servants who both doubled their investment, he said to both of them, well done, good and faithful servants. You see, success in God's kingdom is being faithful with whatever he has given you, right? And and I mentioned briefly, and I want to reiterate this case in case someone missed it, the difference between goodness and faithfulness. You see, we do good to show people our commitment to God. And we live faithfully to show God our commitment to people. Good is doing what is right before people so they can see the good we're doing for God. But faithfully living day in and day out is to show God that we are committed to him and to his people. And today we're going to continue in the last two weeks of the fruit of the Spirit. Today we'll look at gentleness, and next week we'll talk about self-control. Before we get into gentleness, I want to remind you, why have we been taking so much time to look through the fruit of the Spirit? Think about fruit. Fruit in the Bible is used as a symbol for what we are producing in our life. There are multiple times in the Bible where fruit is referenced. You know, we know in the beginning of time, God gave Adam and Eve fruit that they could choose from. They said, you can eat of any, any tree in this garden except the fruit of that one tree. And unfortunately, we know they eventually decided to eat from that tree. That was a decision to disobey. It was a matter of obedience. And there are other fruit references later in the Old Testament. I want to look for a minute in the book of Hosea. I will warn you, we are all over the Bible today, okay? We've already been in different passages. We're going to be all over. Next week, I'll try to to hone in on one area, but today we're all over the Bible. Hosea 9.10, we've got it on the screen for you, don't worry. It says this, Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season, I saw your fathers. But they came to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the things of shame and became detestable like the things they loved. So God is speaking through Hosea here. He's a prophet in the Bible. And he's saying that at the start of my relationship with you, O Israel, it was a perfect season. It it was like finding fresh, ripe grapes in the wilderness. But then you, you chose to go after the idols of Baal. And instead of the good fruit that you once were, you've become detestable like the thing that you chose to go after. And then Hosea continues with this. Read chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. He says, Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit, 
the more his fruit increased, the more altars he built. As his country improved, he improved his pillars. Their heart is false. Now they must bear their guilt, and the Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. Notice there, it says the more fruit they got, the more people used that, the more they produced, they took that and built altars for their own good, for their own desires. The more fruit began in their life, they began to build altars to Baal. Instead of asking what God wanted them to do in their life with that fruit, they chose to, to be disobedient, turn from God, to go after other gods. Fruit represents the outcome, the overflow from the life of an obedient believer. The fruit is the benefit from our obedience to the lives of the people around us, and it is the advancement of God's work in our world. So in order to see good fruit continue in your life, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in your life. The fruit of the Spirit will sustain the fruit of your life. The fruit of the Spirit will sustain the fruit of your life. You need to conquer the desires of the flesh with the fruits of the Spirit. You need fruits like love and faithfulness and self-control in order to keep you living holy and a life that God will bless and honor. Obedience leads to a fruitful life. A fruitful life is sustained by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You with me? Okay, great. That was a, that was a murmur over the crowd. All right, let's look at the fruit of gentleness today. Today's message is called Gentle is Strong. Gentle is strong. Gentle is not something that we initially gravitate towards in the beginning of our lives. It's not our first inclination, correct? For those of you who have children and your child begins to interact with maybe one of the pets, a dog or a cat, or interact with one of your younger siblings, you have, to tell your, you have to tell your child, be gentle. Be gentle with the doggy. Nice doggy. Be gentle. Don't grab the fur. Don't try to ride the dog. Be gentle. Be gentle with your younger siblings. I think my mom told us that even when we were 18 years old. So it's not just a younger child thing. Be gentle with your 12-year-old uh, brother, please. Be careful, right? Gentleness is not our initial reaction in life. Now, that, that's an example of physical gentleness, Think about verbal gentleness. I don't know about you, but I believe the time that we're living in, we have become more and more careless and less and less gentle in how we talk to one another. Especially when we can talk to one another while hiding behind a computer screen or hiding behind our phone. It's amazing how bold people become. It's like, I don't think you would say that if I was face to face with you right now. Where is your gentleness? As a society, we have, lost, we have lost our respect for one another. We have lost the fruit of the spirit of gentleness in our interactions. I want to start by looking at the gentleness of God in Psalm 18. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. If not, we've got it on the screen. It's Psalm 18, a portion of this is what I want to read. It's David talking about the God of victory. And these are powerful verses. Read with me from verse 31. David says, For who is God but the Lord? 
And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. Gentleness made me great. Our first point today is gentleness leads to greatness. Gentleness leads to greatness. I encourage you, if you need a chapter to hype you up, to get you excited for a battle, and remember, remind yourself who is on your side, read this. It says, who is mightier than God? Who is stronger than the rock that is our God? And he is not only, he is not only strength, but he has equipped you with strength. It says he has equipped you with strength and he has made your way blameless. Can you think of anything better to hype you up than hearing those words that he has strengthened you and he's also made your way blameless? For the battles and the tests and the trials, our God has given you strength to be an overcomer through it all. And when we repent, we are made blameless through the sacrifice of Jesus doesn't remember our sins. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Amen? amen? I'm about to say, if I can't get an amen for getting strength from God and that he's made our way blameless, what will I get an amen for? David says, you've secured my feet. You've trained my hands for war. You've given me a shield of salvation. You have supported me. All these things. He talks all these things about war and being strong and being ready to fight. And then... And then David says, but your gentleness has made me great. I had to sit there for a few minutes and try to understanding the comparison of being strong and having strength and being ready for war with gentleness. Why would David list gentleness in the same chapter as battle and strength? I think it's simply because without the gentleness of God, we would not be able to be prepared for the battle ahead. I think of, of David saying we, we can't achieve greatness without first being gentle. You know, God was gentle with David throughout his life. He was gentle with David when he was alone out in the field watching over the flock. His dad didn't really remember that he was even there. Oh yeah, I still have the youngest son. You want me to bring him too? God was gentle with him in those moments. God was gentle with David when Saul wanted to kill him. God gave David a best friend, Jonathan, to help protect him during those times. God was gentle with David as he hid away in the rocks and the caves from Saul. And I think this fits perfectly with, we see the gentleness that God gives David. David then extends later on. Remember the story we looked at a few weeks ago. David's first initial reaction as he becomes king is he shows kindness to Mephibosheth. The gentleness of God makes us great. And this psalm here in, in chapter 18, if you notice, it is actually almost identical to another chapter in the Bible. It's almost identical to the song of deliverance from David in 2 Samuel 22. If you read that and compare that for yourself, they are so similar. And 2 Samuel is recorded at the very end of King David's life. 
So when he says these words about the gentleness of God and being equipped, he's speaking from experience. He's speaking from lived a long life, being a great king of Israel, not a perfect king, a great king of Israel, someone that God says, you, you are a man after my own heart. And at the end of his life, he says, if you want greatness, you need gentleness. You need gentleness in your life. You need gentleness through the trials and the battles. The Hebrew word there for gentleness is anava. And it means, in addition to gentle, it means humility. It means meekness. Some versions depend on your version of the Bible. If you look at Galatians and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. It says meekness. And that Hebrew word anava is translated as humility in Proverbs. Bring a Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12. It says, before destruction... A man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. When a person's heart is arrogant and lifted up, it leads to destruction. But humility leads to honor. Gentleness leads to greatness. Now think about who wants to listen to someone who starts out arrogant, acting like they have everything together. You don't have it all together. No, you need humility in order to be teachable. Students, you got to be ready to be teachable right now as you go back to class. I almost entitled this message, Be Gentle, Sit Down. Or Sit Down and Be Gentle, however you want to say it. I decided that wasn't the right title for this morning, but gentleness before greatness. If you look in the New Testament, a lot of times as I was studying this word, gentleness is oftentimes paired with other words like respect, humility, and meekness. I believe that God is saying these qualities go hand in hand. Let me show an example of this in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read the first three verses. It says, I therefore, this is Paul speaking, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul says if you want to walk in a worthy manner in your life, if you want to walk out your relationship with Jesus, what is the first thing he tells us to do? He says walk with humility and gentleness. He then lists off patience and, and love, and these are obviously high keys and high of importance in our walk with God, of course. And he says, do all these things so that what? Why do we do all these things? So that you can maintain unity of the Spirit. Our second point this morning, a gentle heart leads to spiritual unity. A gentle heart leads to spiritual unity. Maybe you think it's not necessarily groundbreaking ideology to be gentle and humble, but if you have to understand that the time that this was written, the society at that point, this was new thinking. Because Greek writers would often view humility and being gentle not as a positive. They viewed this as negative. They viewed this as being weak 
pride was the way that you could really show who you are, that you could differentiate yourself from others and people would see who you are. That's why Paul explains, no, it's not about pride. It's humility and gentleness. This is how we maintain unity. How hard is it to be unified to someone who's arrogant? It's difficult. It's a lot easier when you come from a place of, listen, I, just, just an idea. This is a suggestion. What if we tried it this way? What if we did this? Humility, gentleness leads to unity. Pride might feel better. It might feel better to elevate yourself, but it will not lead to unity. We want cooperation. We want to work together. We need humility and gentleness. Look at another passage from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. This is a very confusing passage. Paul says, I'm humble when I'm face to face, but bold toward you when I'm not here. That describes a lot of people on social media, but that's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is that he's not afraid to tell the Corinthians, this, the church at Corinth, when they're doing the wrong things. Remember before we talked about how they were struggling with the different gifts of the Spirit. They were elevating the gift of tongues above everything else. If you know Paul in his writings, he, he shoots straight. He is not afraid to be blunt. But what he's saying is, I want to teach you these things in my writings and my letters to you so that when I'm with you, I don't want to come off harsh. I want to be kind to you. I want to be loving to you in those moments. You need the teaching and the instruction. But my hope is to be what? What does he say at the very beginning? He says, my hope is to entreat you, to act towards you in the meekness and the gentleness of who? Not a trick question. Christ and treat you by the gentleness of Jesus. And some people might have been offended by these blunt letters that they were receiving from Paul. He says, I might be direct with you, but I'm not trying to be angry with you. I want to be loving and humble and meek and gentle. Remember in, in Matthew 11, Jesus is speaking and he says to everyone, come to me all who labor. Come to me all that need rest. Do you remember that passage? He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Remember in that passage, he says, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Paul's saying the same gentleness that Jesus portrayed in his life, that's how I'm coming towards you. You think about, think about when you're teaching a child to be gentle. You're really calling attention to the fact that they have a strength that they don't know, that they don't quite know their own strength yet, right? You have to steward that strength well. Gentleness is an indication of strength. Those that are the strongest have to be the most aware to be gentle. Because those that are in power and in leadership and in influence need to be gentle. 
Jesus, the greatest leader of all times, the one that we follow and we model our lives after, he demonstrated this, right? Jesus himself said, I am gentle, I am meek, I am lowly in heart. Never once do we see words of arrogance or pride from Jesus. No, he says the first will be last and the last will be first. He says, if you go to a party, don't automatically set yourself on the highest seat of honor. No, take the lowest seat. Jesus, the one who had 12 disciples, he didn't mandate an order for them to wash his feet. No, he went and washed each one of their feet, even the one that would betray him. Jesus, the greatest leader of all time, modeled to be gentle and meek and a humble servant. Jesus came in humility and in gentleness. And now Paul is saying, I'm here. I'm trying to be of that same spirit of meekness and gentleness. And then look what he says next. Verse 3 and 4. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. It's a really great passage of scripture. He says, our weapons are not earthly, they are divine, and we have the ability to destroy strongholds and destroy arguments and opinions that are raised against God. But how do we do that? Through the gentleness of Christ. Our third point today, gentle spirits conquer proud obstacles. A gentle spirit can conquer a proud obstacle. Paul says that when I'm with you, I am gentle. I'm humble. If you read on in that chapter, Paul says, the only thing that I'm going to take pride about in my life, the only thing I'm going to boast about in my life is the fact that I have Jesus. Our gentleness towards people, being gentle in our conversations, they can diffuse what could become an offense. Most of the time that we get in a disagreement and refuse to make amends, it's because we are too proud. We're too proud to say that we are wrong. We're too proud to say, I don't know the answer. Right? We're too proud to say that we're sorry. Pride is an obstacle. Gentleness is a bridge builder. A person with the fruit of gentleness handles conflict with peace. Doesn't avoid conflict. I'm not saying you passive-aggressively handle the conflict. It's fine. I don't care. I didn't need to leave on time. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. It's okay. That's not how we handle conflict, right? We handle it directly, but with gentleness. Gentleness does not mean not addressing the issue. It means coming from a place of humility. I think of one time that Shanna and I, we went to Cedar Point with a group of friends. And uh, we were spending the day in the heat, in the lines. It was a great day, and occasionally we would ride a roller coaster. Occasionally, every once in a while. We're like, oh, let's get on the ride. Yeah, it's fine. It's been eight hours. It's about time. Um, and we were in line at one point for, uh, I think it was the Maverick, which is one of my favorites because it's one of the longest that you get to experience it. And we were in line for 
an hour, hour and a half, and slowly, you know how you do, you're kind of just like on the ropes, just waiting, like, oh, we can go a few more feet, all right, go. Don't I seem like a fun person to go to roller coasters with? <laughs> I don't have a lot of patience for this, I'm working on it, okay. Um, but we were waiting, and all of a sudden, it's like, huh, it feels like that tempo that we were in is stopped. We're just literally standing here for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I don't know who is the optimism in your group or who's the you know, who's pessimistic in your group, like, it's, it's fine, they're just working through some things, they're going to get it going, and other people are like, it's, we should turn around, let's, and I feel like we wasted too much time, we can't, you know, waste any more time, all those different rationale you go through, right? And eventually, after some time waiting, we hear on the loudspeaker, you know, this is closed for an indefinite amount of time, we're sorry, please make your way to another roller coaster, like, all this time that we've been waiting, and now we need to find somewhere else. So we're trying to figure out where else we should go, what other line we should start into to um, continue to wait for the next roller coaster. And then one of our friends, Juan, he walks off. It's like, where did Juan go? Where did he just run off to? Someone's like, oh, he went to the front of the ride to talk to the manager for the Maverick. I'm like, what, does he think he's going to like turn it on again for us? Like, what is your plan here? What do you think is going to happen? And so now I'll get even more impatient. I'm like, now we're wasting more time just waiting here for this ride, which is not going to start, and we can go to the next one. And so a few minutes later, he comes back. And he explains the story. He said, I went up there, and of course, there's a lot of people angry up at the top, right? And there's this angry mob. And eventually, they went away. And Juan just kind of waited his time, waited to be patient. I, I wish I could do a great Juan impression for you, but I can't. I'm not going to try to do it. it would not, I would not do it justice. But he's such a chill person. He's just very laid back. And so he walks up to the person and says, hey, you know, like, I, I understand you're doing what you can do, but like, we waited a long time, and for a while when it was not working, you, didn't, you guys didn't say anything. You didn't tell us, and so we just waited longer, and we, we lost a lot of time here. And the guy says, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to follow the rules that they have here. Uh, there's nothing more I can do, but guess what? Tell you what, I appreciate the fact that you did not come up to me and start yelling at me like everyone else did, you know, you didn't cuss me out this whole time. So guess what? I'm going to give you a bunch of passes that you and your group can go to the next roller coaster and get right on and move past the line. Craziness. Not something that I would have done, right? I'd be like, well, oh well, just move on to the next one. But Juan waited his time. and The patience, the, the gentleness. Think about that. Think about how you act, how you speak towards one another. It matters. The words that you say, the way that you handle things in your life, gentleness breaks down obstacles. It breaks down barriers in our life. The words you use are important. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 23. Timothy says, Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Really quickly, can I translate that to you for today's world? Usually I read from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Can I give you my MSV, my Matthew Standard Version real fast? Read, read the MSV here. It says, have nothing to do with Facebook and Twitter fights. They only lead to more pointless fights. And zero progress. Okay, please don't take that out of context. Like, that's not the Passion Version or anything. Read your own version. But does that help explain it a little bit more today in today's context? Okay, two people thought so. Good. Let's read the rest of the chapter. The next three verses. It says, And the Lord's servant 
must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Servants of God, he says, must not get into fights, but be kind and teaching and patient and correcting, and specifically correcting with gentleness. That's difficult. It's easier to correct with a feeling of arrogance and superiority. It's easier to just ignore people that you don't want to have controversy with, right? That's my go-to. You know, the Enneagram ace in the room, like, I'm going to confront, I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be loving, but I'm a little bit demanding, and, and people like me are just like, I just don't want anything to do with it. I just want nothing to do with this situation. But P Timothy says, don't tell us to, to fight or, or to ignore people, but to correct them with gentleness. Why? Look at how important this gentle, gentle correction is. It says, through gentle correction people might repent of their sins and see the truth and escape an eternity in hell. Is that serious enough of a reason for us to handle problems with gentleness? Gentleness can make an eternal impact. I don't usually have four, four points. I believe firmly in three points. But if I were to have a fourth point today, it would be that gentleness can make an eternal impact. It's not a fourth point. I'm just saying. Just another point. <laughs> we know the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? What we choose to say has long-lasting effects. It might make yourself feel better to raise your voice and domineer over someone, but you have just had short-term gratification of domineering over someone, but now you've lost the ability to have a long-lasting relationship with them because of how you said what you said. Gentleness. Some of you know that through high school and college, I worked at one of the most powerful industries in the world, Taco Bell. And um, I had a lot, of, a lot of different unique people work at Taco Bell. I don't know if you've seen that when you've gone in there, but there are a lot of interesting people, and I'm one of them, so I can speak to this, um, work at Taco Bell. And I've had a lot of good conversations over the years. People knew that I was a bit of an outspoken Christian. There were times growing up that I needed to mature, and I did not have conversations with gentleness. There are times that I was better at this. And one time, I, I don't have an example of how bad I was. I'll give it to you maybe some other time. But um, one example where I got it right, we were talking, and I was kind of talking through the, the way of the master evangelism technique. Anybody, I know Roger knows of that. Maybe, maybe a few others that know how that goes. But basically, you kind of walk them through the Ten Commandments. And you'll say, you know, do you consider yourself to be a good person? And a lot of people will say, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. And you might say, can I, can I kind of challenge that a little bit? Can I test that out a little bit? 
And I love it when they say yes. I'm like, okay, good, great. And so I walk through some of the Ten Commandments. I say, hey, have you ever, have you ever told a lie? Well, sure, I have. All right, well, what, you know, what does that make you? I guess a, a liar? Yes. Have you ever stolen something, even something small? Sure, yeah, I've stolen something. Okay, what does that make you? A thief? Mm-hmm. The Bible says that do not murder someone, but Jesus says if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Have you ever hated someone? Well, yeah, people have done me wrong. What does that make you? So by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, murderer at heart, and at some point in your life, you're going to have to face judgment before God. Do you think you'll be innocent or guilty? Well, I guess based on that standard, I'd be guilty. And I might ask a follow-up question, does that concern you? You know, you're just praying that God begins to work on their heart, right? Because we are all that, right? We are all a lying, thieving, murderer, adulterer at heart in our life. We've made mistakes. And you have to be very delicate. And, and she asked one question. It's a very normal response. It's a common response. And she would say, well, okay, just because I've told one lie does not make me a liar. I said, okay, well, you know, if somebody killed somebody else, are they not considered a murderer? How many times does someone have to kill somebody to make them a murderer? And she kind of froze. And the manager who was listening in on our conversation says, oh, he got you, he got you. <laughs> and in that moment, it takes everything I can to be like, don't be prideful right now, don't be prideful, just take this, because you have to be cautious and you have to be gentle because these are delicate conversations. How I act in that moment can either turn their heart towards God or can shut them completely off from God. Correcting with gentleness can cause repentance and an eternity with Jesus. Alex, can you come play as we close? I want to share from 1 Peter as we close here. 1 Peter 3.13, it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. There will be times when what we believe as Christians will have to be defended. We may have to defend our reason for why we put our hope in Jesus Christ. And in that, in doing that, Peter encourages us to be prepared. But how, how does he say we should do it? With gentleness and respect. When you are gentle and you respect one another, your conscience is clear because you've taken the high road of humility and remain gentle when you're attacked. I hate to break it to you. I, I like a lot of times to be 
positive and optimistic, and I am because I have Jesus on my side, but it says there, when you are slandered. It does not say, if you happen to become slandered, if someone happens to say something wrong or mean to you, it will happen. But if you're living a good life, honoring God, they will look on that and have no proof to back up the slander. We are to be prepared with our testimony to share with one another of why we have a high hope, why we have a living hope in Jesus Christ, and we will do it through respect and with a gentle spirit. Can you stand with me as we close? Let me share with you one more passage and then we're done. Proverbs chapter 15. You might have heard this before. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer. Another, other versions say, a gentle answer turns away wrath. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Your tongue has the opportunity for life or death. Can we be careful to be gentle in our conversations, in our words, in the ways that we treat, obviously one another, but how we treat someone who doesn't believe the same as us? We are living in a culture that if you believe the same thing as me, I am done with you. I want nothing to do with you. How does the gospel become advanced if we won't continue conversations with the lost? How can we expect them to believe the same thing as us if they have not yet encountered and seen the goodness of God through you, through me? Can we be gentle? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this time? If you're here today, I'm going to make this quick, but two different types of people. I know which one I'm raising my hand for. If you're here today and you would say, gentleness is not my strong suit. I want to overpower a situation. I want to control the situation. You're struggling with gentleness. You have the power, you have the courage, but you're struggling with gentleness. Would you raise your hands? I want to pray with you this morning. Yep, I see hands all over the place. Yep, yep. Okay, the other group. Remember, we're supposed to address situations with gentleness. If you're like me and you'd rather avoid them, you'd be like, God, not right now, not right now, I can't do it right now. And you need the strength to speak with gentleness. Would you raise your hands? I wanna keep you in mind. Yep, yep, yep. Let's pray together, church. God, I thank you that you have given us through your Holy Spirit the fruit of gentleness. God, your word says that as we show the spirit of gentleness, you break down walls and barriers of pride. You break down barriers so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be preached. We want the good news to get out. Help us to do this in the spirit of gentleness. I pray for those that are great at being courageous, and that's important. Give them the words. Give them the wisdom. Give them that spirit of gentleness so that the words 
get across in the way that would glorify you, in a way that would water a seed and see it begin to grow of the chance for salvation in someone's lives. And I pray for those of us that would prefer not to have the conversation, not, not to get into what people believe and not believe. Help us to do it, be courageous and strong, but do it with gentleness. Not so that we can boast upon ourselves. God, we boast only in the fact that you are king and you live within, inside of us. We thank you for that fact. We take that for granted. We take that hope in our life. We claim it in your name. We thank you for the fruit of gentleness. Pray a blessing over your church and over the week ahead for them, that they would live out the fruit of gentleness in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.